0: shifters podcast today we have a a very special guest uh, daniel van binsbergen he's the ceo of lexo which is a marketplace for legal services so welcome daniel
1: thanks thanks really really glad to be here
0: so daniel uh, let's go right at it Uh, so what exactly is lexo and why do you think it's a need for this type of product
1: so Lexu is a global curated legal marketplace. So we have a network of over 750 lawyers spread out over 50 countries that we've all screened. So we're an ex we're a team of ex lawyers um and the other half of the team are are uh, programmers. And what we've done is we've screened all the lawyers, um, and they're typically lawyers that used to work at a large firm, but for lifestyle reasons have started a smaller firm or working at a boutique, and typically offering uh, more value for money. And what what Lexu does is when um, a corporate client um, has a legal job that they would typically send to a large law firm, they can submit that to Lexu, and we will pick the right four lawyers to submit a quote for that job. So then, within 24 hours, the corporate will have four quotes. Um, with all the background of the lawyers, they can see reviews of what previous customers have said um and the lawyers are incentivized to give fixed fee quotes um, because they know they're in competition. so as a client, you're saving roughly 50%, um, compared to what larger firms would charge. Um, and typically you get, um, you you get access to a senior lawyer. Um, whereas often large firms are are training up the next generation of lawyers. You're often connected with a junior lawyer and and our our platform, it's typically ex-senior associates, ex-partners who will do the work directly. Um, and yeah, you're, you're paying the equivalent of what you would pay for a trainee at, um, at a larger firm. So, so that's what we've been doing. Um, we've been at it for four years uh, we started out in the SME space, connecting smaller businesses with lawyers, um, and, and now we're really focused on the um, the corporate space um, of, of basically connecting in-house legal teams with, um, w- with, with our network of lawyers.
0: So, uh, many people would say that uh, it's, uh, in, regarding legal services, that it's not about the price, but it's more about the quality. Uh, do you hear that, or...? Uh
1: Absolutely. So the quality has to be there, um, especially with sophisticated clients like c- corporate customers. Um, if, if you can't show the quality of the lawyer, then then the conversation's over. So that's why we have such a focus um, and we're building our brand around uh, ensuring that all the lawyers are really top notch. I mean, we, we accept less than 15 percent of applications. And then we built a matching algorithm that actually only selects the four lawyers that are truly appropriate for the work um, in, instead of all lawyers being able to quote.
0: So you can like, do you have like a quality guarantee and insurance or, uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying that, uh, the law firms, uh, are delivering quality all the time either, but how, how would this typically look like, uh, like in a, in a, in a typical law firm, uh, when you, when you get a client, would, would, would the work usually be done by a, a junior lawyer? And then, uh, is, is that how yes. it works? Yeah
1: yeah so large firms sometimes have what what I like to call the bait and switch, so you'll have the partner come in um, really experienced and being able to dazzle the client with all the work they've done. Um, but then the work needs to start, and then it's often a junior lawyer who who ends up doing most of the work um, and then that will be checked by an associate or a senior associate uh, and then and then likely the partner wants to you know build some time on the matter. Uh, as well. And that's, I guess, how their model works. It's a pyramid. So they need to create what they call leverage of having enough associates doing work um, for the partners. And those are often very bright people. Um, It's just that they might not have the experience that um, the client thought they were paying
0: for. So in in your model, you will have direct access to a senior lawyer and he, he or she will be doing the job.
1: Yeah, because it's typically lawyers who have, you know, 10, 15 years experience who feel confident enough to strike out on their own um, and, and and start their own law firm. Um, and what they enjoy is just practicing law. Uh, they didn't enjoy the politics of a large firm and they don't mind doing, you know, an M&A deal from from start to finish. Um, so, you know, we'll have an ex-senior associate or junior partner from Magic Circle Firm on our platform who will do, you know, a $10 million M&A deal. And that's something that they and maybe one or two colleagues at their boutique firm can handle themselves. It doesn't require a huge, huge team. Um, and yeah, they'll they'll just price that based on what they think is reasonable.
0: So, and why do you think there's a need for this type of product?
1: Well, I think it solves two problems on on the on the lawyer side. It offers lawyers a new way to practice law for interesting clients. So, a lot of lawyers join a large firm because they want to do really interesting work for for clients that they really enjoy working for. Um, You know, stuff that'll be in the news, brand name clients, and so on. But the way law firms are structured aren't always conducive to having a balanced life. Um, And I think that's an understatement. So a lot of lawyers think, gee, there has to be more to life than this. Um, Can't I practice law for interesting clients, but do that from wherever I want? And be able to pick the clients I want to work for, pick the work I want to do. And if I want to have a week where I work 20 hours, I, I might not pick up a new client, all these things that are possible in large firms. So we have lawyers who used to be at the biggest firms in London, now living in Verbier, you know, spending half their time hiking or skiing the other half the time work, working for our clients. And um, that really works well for them. Uh, and then on the client side, I think there's been a deep rooted frustration um, within corporates and also smaller businesses about the cost of hiring lawyers and, I mean, having been on the inside, I know where that, where, where a lot of that spend is going and it isn't going to the lawyer doing the work. So in my case, uh, I received 18% of my hourly rate and the other 82% was split between, you know, the partner equity package and overheads that weren't really adding value to the legal advice I was giving. I mean, I was on the 17th floor having a great view over London with a room basically to myself. And whereas my clients had, had moved on, were in open plan offices trying to cut costs and uh, somebody has to pay for that.
0: So you actually to the to the lawyer side, you're actually offering more flexible hours. And is it equal paid, or will they get less paid, or they can actually decide for themselves?
1: Yeah. So so um so that we don't employ the lawyers, so they're free to pick up clients outside of the platform. Uh, I think if I look at how much they earn, if they were an associate or a senior associate within a law firm, a, a big law firm, they'll probably make more um independently, just because. Um, even if they have their rates, um, you know, in the old system, they got 20%. And now, um, after our fee, they, they make roughly 85%. Um, so th- they'll make more. I think if you were a partner at a magic circle firm and you're making 2 million a year, um, it, it's very hard to make that kind of money anywhere else. Um, but ultimately, I think that that's, potentially economically not justifiable. I mean, I mean, historically, partners at large firms w- weren't making that kind of money. Um, so 25, 30 years ago, they were, they were making similar amounts to doctors. Um, and it's been quite a recent um, thing, the last 20, 25 years, where they've been able to create a position where, um, where, where they're earning that kind of money.
0: Yeah, and, then, and it's not merited, is it? When, uh, when have to, you have to give away 82% of your, of your uh, salary or your, uh, your value creation to the, the partners.
1: Yeah. And I think in a, in, if, if the market had worked perfectly, there would have been more competition. Um, so I think in other markets, um, if, if, if it wasn't a partnership of lawyers, but it was just a corporation, um, there would have been more price competition, com- competition on innovation uh, to try to see if you can be more efficient. And that just hasn't happened in law. And as a result, clients didn't really have an alternative. So it's like, well, I'm not happy with how all of this is priced. I'm not happy with the level of innovation that law firms offer, but where am I going to go? Um, so so that alternative, that's what we're trying to offer.
0: Do you think there's a big frustration ab- among lawyers working in firms?
1: Yeah. Um, they're, because they're, you, you they're,
0: were a lawyer yourself, right?
1: Yes. And I mean, to be honest, I enjoyed a lot of aspects of the work. Um, I enjoyed the legal puzzles uh, and, and things like that. Um, But the way a large firm is structured is that you have to bill time on an hourly basis, which means that you're basically billing on six-minute increments, which which isn't fun. And I think across the market, um, there have been quite a few studies that show that corporate lawyers at large firms are the unhappiest of all the professions. Uh, They're twice as likely to struggle with alcohol abuse compared to the general population, and 28% struggle with depression. Um, So those are some pretty like serious statistics. And... Ah, uh, the same group seemed to under-index on those statistics when they were still in law school. So it's not like law is attracting people more predisposed to those conditions. Um, um, but but it's 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 kind of making them miserable. And I think it's it all has to do with what brings happiness in life. Um, and that's about having a sense of autonomy in work, um, being able to believe in the mission of the company. Um, and 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 those are <laughs> metrics that law firms don't typically score very high on.
0: Oh. So uh, in in your eyes, what are the biggest trends we see in the law firm, let's call it law firm industry or legal industry?
1: Yeah. So I guess if we go back before the financial crisis, before 2007, 2008, um, law firms basically did all the external work um, for clients. And then clients started to think, hang on, I don't think the law firms are all the best solution for all my problems. Let me bring more work in-house. And they started to also hire freelance lawyers. And that gave rise to com- companies like Axiom, and I think within law firms they, they caught on to that. So they have now are started to offer that too. So you have Alan Overy has PeerPoint, uh, Lawyers on Demand you, you was started by BOP. Um, you've you've got Pins and Masons uh, offering. So so that's one trend that you're starting to see that they understand that maybe their normal lawyers aren't the best. Um, well-priced solution for a six-month or 12-month maternity leave cover. So that was the first wave after the financial crisis, um, the first level of innovation. And now what law firms are looking at is they they are looking at legal tech. Um, They just haven't been adopting it at the pace that you would expect them to. And I think that's because fundamentally they're less incentivized to do so. Um, Because if you're billing by the hour, and a lot of the tech removes a lot of the hours, um, then you need to come up with a different way to price your services. And um, that's just been hard because it's such an ingrained model. Um, And because firms tend to make decisions by committee, um, they're they're a partnership. So they're not going to radically change their business model. But you do see a few firms now actually investing in innovation teams and and trying to make something happen. So I think over the years, we'll start to see more and more legal tech layered in. Um, So, you know, AI, doc review, um, automated document drafting and, 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 features like that, that will make lawyers, um, more efficient. So as a company, that's where we're looking at, um, as well to make sure that, um, lawyers are only working on the most, uh, value add parts, um, of the work.
0: But will they be more, uh, efficient for the, the cl- Like will the value created by the efficiency benefit the clients or will they just <laughs> make more money? That's,
1: that, that's a big question. I mean, in a normal market, it should benefit the client. Um, but, but so far, law firms, uh, or the, the legal market hasn't really functioned as, as a perfect market. So, uh, I think they'll try, um, to, to keep the value in-house, but they would have to still change their uh, billing model to do that. So if, I guess if they don't change that, if they continue billing by the hour and just a few hours are billed, then the client will benefit, but maybe they'll start to move towards fixed fee in order to, um, to bank more of that value
0: isn't that a trend in especially in the uk that they're moving towards uh, more fixed fees than
1: uh... yeah definitely um and, and, i mean it's definitely a trend that clients want that uh, i mean the clients have been wanting this for years um because quite often what happens the client um, at the client side there's an in-house lawyer and it's not their job it's it's a business colleague who basically told them we're doing this deal can you do the legals and then The in-house lawyer gets a quote from a law firm. And if that's an estimate, they go back to the business colleague and the business colleague's like, okay, that, that works for us commercially because they'll have the budget for that bit of work because it's their transaction. And then if the lawyer goes wildly over, then that creates huge internal problems. So that's why in-house lawyers always saying, give me a fixed quote, uh, please. But firms are really hesitant to do that and they'll do it if they're under pressure. So I remember I used to, when I was at a large firm, offer fixed fee quotes. If I knew as I was in competition or it was a big client who demanded it, but Typically we wouldn't because it it wasn't in our interest because then you're you're taking on more risk and we're finding that boutique lawyers are way more comfortable doing it. Um, they're not under the same pressures. So within a large firm, for instance, if you give a fixed fee and you're still keeping track on hourly basis, so everybody's still building their time. So if the value of that time build exceeds the fixed fee, you need to book time off of the system because you can build less. And that's embarrassing internally. Um, so if you're a partner, you don't want that to happen. So the instinct is to then try to renegotiate the fixed fee to say, well, we, when we gave that fixed fee, we assumed there was only going to be three terms of the document. Now it's four. So, you know, we, we're going to have to bill more. And I think that pisses clients off. And um, I think it's it's all due to how law firms are structured, that the internal currency of the firm is still the billable hour. So that's still how success is measured. That's still how promotions are decided on how many hours have you billed? Even though on, on the front end they offer a fixed fee, and the, on the back end they're, they're still thinking um, in the old way.
0: So, if you were the managing uh, managing director or partner of a major law firm, what what would you do to 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 uh, meet I the would, future? I would
1: I would immediate I would immediately get rid of the hourly uh, billing model, and I would move to value based billing. So that means that you really look at what the value to the client is of a bit of work and and you um, you base a price on that. I would uh, adopt every bit of legal tech under the sun to make sure that the lawyers only work on the bit where um, tech can't do it and where they truly add value. So the firm w- w- would be a lot smaller. I wouldn't invest in fancy offices. So I would have most people work remotely if they would like, like a virtual law firm. Uh, and ultimately, I would accept um, that... Um, I wouldn't structure it as a partnership because I think as soon as you have a partnership, you have all these partners expecting a certain paycheck um, per year, and then that creates an incentive to inflate stuff instead of going for scale. Um, so if you run a law firm like a commercial business, and some companies like Keystone are trying to do exactly that, they're, they're virtual law firms um, without without partnerships, then you can really take the market and create a way, way bigger firm, um, but you need to accept that the margins are going to be smaller
0: yeah and uh, so so why aren't they doing that because they don't accept are yeah uh, yeah so why aren't you doing that doing things you're saying?
1: So I guess if Richard Susskind likes to say it's very hard to convince a room of millionaires that their business model is broken, um so if they're all making you know between a million and two million a year and you're retiring in five years, um are you really going to vote in favor of a risky plan to change everything to future proof the firm for the next ten to twenty years? Um, you're probably going to say, well, this has worked for me my whole career. Um, I'm still earning what I'm earning, so let's let's continue the party and, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. let, let, let the firm sort itself out. And, and and that's the problem with the partnership. But other companies have had the same problem. Like if you look at um, Blockbuster, in the U.S., Netflix came and didn't charge late fees. Um, and Blockbuster made a hell of a lot of money out of their late fees. So they had a board meeting actually having to decide, should we also cut late fees because, you know, we need to remain competitive, and ultimately they couldn't do it. They just couldn't say goodbye to such a significant chunk of the revenue um, so so whenever a company has such a, a big chunk of revenue to protect it it just proves emotionally really hard to say goodbye to that in order to to create a really competitive long term position in the market
0: and uh, so uh, based on what you're saying, they actually will be disrupted from the outside, won't they?
1: Yes, um, and 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 that won't apply to all firms. So I think there there always be a space for maybe the top ten largest firms in the world. Uh, there's going to remain a category of work for the foreseeable future where large corporates think, okay, I'm really betting the company here. This is super super risky. Um, I'm going to go with one of the biggest firms. Um, but it's it's firm kind of in the UK market, for instance, firm eleven to two hundred, uh, where I would really worry. Um, you know, Kingwood and Allisons went out of business in, the, in in the UK, and that was previously unheard of firms that size. Um, so firms, you know, below the elite uh, um, are going to have to have are going to have a really hard time to justify um, their billing structure.
0: So, do you think that they'll just have to make that hard choice to to change their business model, or can they do it uh, gradually in some sort of way?
1: I think they are going to have to make that hard choice if if they want to survive. Um, but I don't know if they're going to make it. Um, so I think history has shown us that. It's very hard for, for firms to make big changes, especially um, if they're specialized in being lawyers. Um, they're not business people, and it's quite rare for a law firm to have a commercial CEO. Um, so I don't know. I, I wouldn't get my hopes, hopes up, and I think incremental change might work, but I, what I'm seeing is that the market is moving too quickly now, um, that you need to do a little bit more than um, incremental change. Uh, because you know, disruptors like Lexu are coming. Um, and, you know, we're, we're now appointed on law firm panels, like Travelodge, um, Big Hotel Chain appointed us on their law firm panels. We sit along, you know, firms like D.L.A. Piper and other traditional firms. So this, is, this isn't this is theory anymore. Um, we're, we're being considered as a true alternative to global firms, um, but at a, a fundamentally different price point. So,
0: yeah. So there is this term called innovation theater um, that uh, says that, you uh, a lot of innovation initiatives uh are actually marketing initiatives they're just you know they're just doing them to to um show off that they're actually doing something about innovation uh, to to their clients uh and uh it doesn't really have an impact uh, do you agree with that
1: uh, absolutely i mean <laughs> i think that happens in all industries but it, it certainly happens in law um uh, and it's, yeah, it's like an innovation as lipstick instead of changing something fundamentally. And it goes back to the point that I mentioned before, that as soon as an innovation goes to the heart of um, the earning engine, then it's very hard to get that adopted. Um, so everybody's okay with little features here and there, you know, little efficiencies, as long as they can, at its core, still bill in the same way and, and, and make the same kind of money. Uh, and I think that's where where they'll get into trouble.
0: So uh, how do you think the legal industry will look like in five to 10 years? Will we see major change or will it uh, happen incrementally?
1: I think in, in five years, it might still be a little bit incremental. In 10 years, I think th- th- there will be major change. So um, I think the large firms will continue doing well. Um, I think they'll continue moving up market to uh, the type of work where they can still justify their rates. And I think the mid-market is going to get into real trouble. Um, because I think uh, clients will move to alternatives um, like Lexu um, um, pretty quickly um, if if they understand that they can trust the lawyers and that they're basically the same lawyers um, that used to work at Magic Circle firms. Um, so I think the the large firms will continue um, to move up market. They'll probably have smaller partnerships. I've seen that at the old firm I used to work at. So they reduce the size of the partnership to keep their earning earning levels up. Um, and um they'll they'll start saying no to commoditized work because they know they can't justify their rights there, and then it's the mid market who's who's going to really struggle.
0: When you're talking about uh the, the, the largest law firms, are you are are do you mean the largest law firms globally or nationally? Or uh,
1: pretty much pretty much globally. Because if if you look at large national firms, um they'll they'll also have difficulty um, I guess in the u k it's the same, so the largest firms here are are the large international firms um, so what what they call national firms in the u k would be you know firms that are, only have offices in in the u k um, and i guess, I guess slaughter may um, is is the only exception that they're very premium uh, but most national firms might have a hard time ju- justifying their rates, especially if you know their best people might think, why am I working?" in this traditional environment if i can just do this flexibly earn more um and, and um have a more balanced life um i think they're going to have a hard time keeping keeping hold of talent
0: so uh lexo and the marketplace that's one way that, that's that's one where uh, the the larger law firms will leak lawyers but do you see any other areas that that will happen
1: um yeah. I mean, the other way, and that's, 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 that's been um, a way for about 10 years now is, is companies like Lawyers on the Man or Axiom. So that offers an alternative career path where you can say like, okay, instead of being a private practice lawyer, where I work for many different clients, I will enjoy working for one client for six months or 12 months, and then I'll have a break for a few months. Um, and I'll, I'll make more during those months. So I can afford to take a few months off. And I think that's a pretty established career path now. Um, as well as just going in-house, um, so I think being an in-house lawyer is quite an interesting career path now um, because um, businesses are relying more and more on their in-house lawyers for their really interesting work. Um, so I think that's quite a fulfilling path that, that a lot of um, senior lawyers are, um, are are following now.
0: Yeah and in-house uh, in-house lawyers are on the rise right and they're also incentivized to innovate.
1: Yes, uh, absolutely. So a lot of the innovation we're seeing is actually on the um, the in-house side. Um, so the sophistication of in-house legal teams uh, when it comes to legal tech has gone through the roof. Um, so you now have legal operations managers whose full-time job is to know what's happening in the market and structure things more efficiently. And that creates another problem for large firms because now quite often their clients are more sophisticated when it comes to this stuff than um, than the law firms are. And they're becoming more demanding. So they'll say like, well why can't you show me the data you know how many who within my team is hiring most of your lawyers what legal areas what jurisdictions and the law, law firms aren't really tracking that in a structured format um so it's 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 that kind of uh, dynamic that's causing clients to, to to not really be as happy with law firms um, as they may have been in the past
0: yeah and and they also have to do and then move up market to get uh, complex legal assistance they need uh, so the the ones in the middle won't be relevant anymore and, yeah okay yeah interesting point uh daniel it was very interesting to t- uh, talk to you and um we're also looking forward to uh, seeing you at the future lawyer conference in october in oslo
1: yes very much looking forward to it so why very did, exciting
0: yeah thank you so uh why do you think lawyers should attend this type of conferences
1: i mean i think it's key to just know what's going on um i think a lot of lawyers are still still have this false sense of security um, that that the the world won't change just because it hasn't really for them for the last hundred years um, but the, the the pace of acceleration is increasing um, so I think if you extrapolate that that change over in the next ten years we're going to be in a, in a materially different spot so I think it's really important to know what's going on what what is the latest innovations and what's the direction of travel um, because there are a lot of opportunities there too. Uh, I think a lot of people have been pessimistic about legal tech coming to law, but it, it also off- offers opportunities to practice law in a more interesting way, in a more fulfilling way. And I think um, um, that's really worth investigating.
0: So are, are there any good examples of uh, of uh, major law firms investing and actually utilizing the, the power of a legal tech uh, startup?
1: Uh, yeah, so I guess... You know, Alan Overy has been in quite a bit. Um, they they've they've created an accelerator called Fuse, um, Fuse, where they have a number of startups come in and they're deploying that tech within the firm to see if it works. Uh, Dentons has been really forward thinking with that as well. They they have their Next Law Labs, um, and then Michigan the Rye uh, also has their um, uh, their accelerator program. So I think there are quite a few firms where. There are people within those firms who really believe in it and who really think it's important um, and are attracting legal tech startups to, to trial things. I think the litmus test will be, are those uh, tools going to get widespread adoption? Uh, and are they actually going to be deployed in the, in the heart of the model?
0: Yeah, and that's uh, also <laughs> what everyone is thinking about, actually. Will they be able to extract the value and use it to the benefit of their clients? Or is, yeah. it, or is it just innovation in theater? Yes. Uh, so well uh, thanks again Daniel and uh, and have a great day in London and we'll thanks see very much. you in October.
1: All right, sounds good. Cheers.